Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 12 of the Parenting Aces Podcast, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this is the episode so many of you have been waiting on. I have as my guest this week, Tim Russell, head of the Intercollegiate Tennis Association, the ITA. And several weeks ago, as most of you know, the ITA made an announcement that they are partnering with the USTA and the World Tennis Number, which is the International Tennis Federation's rating system, the ITF rating system, and moving away from using universal tennis rating. This kind of came as a shock to a lot of you, and a lot of questions started pouring in about what this means for juniors who are trying to get recruited to play college tennis. Should they stop worrying about UTR? Should they stop playing UTR events? Do they need to focus now only on USTA events? What is the play here? And so I've got Tim to answer all of those questions and more and fill us in on what's going on in the world of college tennis. So before I bring Tim on, a quick reminder, if you haven't already, we would love for you to become a premium member of Parenting Aces. Just go to our website, click the join button, and it's easy peasy. It'll give you full access to all our content, podcasts, our shop, and any special events or discounts that might be available. To, to you. So now sit back, relax, and enjoy this update on college tennis with Tim Russell of the ITA. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Tim Russell, welcome back. Happy 2023. Wonderful to uh, see you and to be with you. Well, I know, you know, we follow each other on social media on our personal accounts. And so it's always fun to kind of catch up with you. And there's been so much going on in the ITA world and the world of college tennis. Um, Just had kickoff weekend, which was a huge success. And there was some sort of record set, I think, where wasn't wasn't it such that all of the host teams made it through to indoors? You have followed well, and uh, those who follow college tennis know that our kickoff weekend on both the men's and women's side lead to the uh, D1 men's and women's team indoors, which we think are two of our best events. And in fact, the host sites were pretty uh, rocking. Uh, you you got <laughs> your 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 facts straight. You got it. Thank goodness for tennis Twitter. That's all I will say. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm very proud of not only the K 
kickoff weekend, but our team, not only the champs team that runs the kickoff weekend and the indoors, but we have a terrific new communications marketing team. And I think our uh, social media, whether it's Twitter or Instagram, have been uh, those accounts have been growing. And I think people who've been following us have also seen the, I think, ever-growing partnership with Cracked Rackets. Oh, yeah. And, My boys, and, I'm so happy to see y'all working together. Yeah, they're they're doing just such great work, and yeah. they're going to be covering both the men's and women's uh, team indoors, and uh, we've continued to grow that partnership, and I think we've figured out you know, what people are wanting to see when they're watching tennis. So we did it in the fall with both our All-Americans and with the uh, – with the national fall championship and uh, working with, with Dalton and Alex is terrific. And I, I really think that we've been not only growing the number of followers, but what it looks like is actually a better experience for the viewer. For sure. And those guys are so fun to watch and, you know, they broadcast live. It's typically streamed on their YouTube channel or some other streaming device. And um, they're always just so full of energy and have great stories and really do their homework. So I'm thrilled that they are working with y'all and and getting college tennis more out there for everybody to watch and enjoy. And that's always a good thing in my books. You got it. Yeah. So I, I we're just going to start with the elephant in the room. And, and that is the ITA announcement a few weeks ago that you guys are working now with the USTA and the World Tennis Number, the, the ITF's rating system that USTA announced it adopted. Well, the announcement came a couple of years ago, but I think everything's just really starting to kind of click along. And there are of course, are now tons of questions from the junior tennis parents out there about, oh my gosh, you know, we've been so focused on UTR for the last several years because that's what the college coaches told us they were looking at. And now here's this announcement from the ITA that uh, UTR is not in anymore. It's WTN and we all have to get educated and up to speed on how best to utilize this new metric. So I'm hoping, Tim, you can shine some light on how that partnership came to be um, and what it means for junior tennis and the families involved in junior tennis. And we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, fantastic. And thanks for uh, for having me. And you and I have been on the journey of junior tennis uh, for a <laughs> long time. And I'll start uh, by saying way back, and you'll recall when I was chairing the USDA's Junior Competition Committee, and now this is like a decade ago, uh, we were talking about, you know, what junior tennis should look like and the role of level-based play. And long before I became the CEO of the ITA, the ITA, through the visionary leadership of people like David Benjamin and Dave Fish, the coach at, at Harvard, were were really the people who said we were going to actually take a shot long before the current ownership group of UTR bought UTR. This was in the early days. These visionary people said, I think that the ecosystem needs a really good rating. Mm -hmm. I think your listeners need to know, and I think they all know, that college tennis basically in our format is level-based play, right? We have three right. doubles teams and six singles teams. And in theory, we're supposed to be playing number one as the best player. So, you know, a long time ago, David Benjamin, Dave Fish, 
got going with UTR. And I think I just want to start by saying that the ITA is really proud of the work it did with UTR and, and proving the concept of, of a rating. And uh, I think you know uh, that our coaches and junior players, uh, I think, uh, have come to, to like having a rating. Uh, but you used a really important word when you asked your question, which was about partnerships. Mm -hmm. So the ITA and its board are always looking to the future. And when we were you kind of said, how did this all come to be? Uh, one of the lenses through which we look at our world is what's going on, not only in the world of college athletics, but also in the tennis ecosystem. So people who follow college athletics know that in some respects, it's thriving better than ever, uh, but it's also uh, in some respects uh, got some threatening moments. It's also got uh, some turbulent times if you're following name, image, and likeness and yeah. conference realignment and concussion settlements and transformation committees and new NCAA constitutions. We're trying to say what helps us reach our vision, which is to make sure that college tennis is not only one of the great college sports, but has a sustainable future. And so one of the things we've spent a lot of time doing is studying the current landscape and saying what's going to be the future of Olympic sports. And I don't want to get junior parents too upset, but if you are following the bigger picture, you know that there's one idea out there that would say that uh, college athletes maybe should be viewed as employees. Hmm. And if that were to happen, I think it could really be a very bad thing for Olympic sports. And all I'm trying to do is give you the overarching context in which we make decisions like the WTN one, which is taking all the info we know about the world of college athletics and the tennis ecosystem, what are the best decisions that the ITA can make? And some of the big things we're doing is figuring out our partnerships, right? right. So if you read this announcement, uh, and we'll get to the ATP and the accelerator program, I think people should have noticed that this is really the first time ever that the ITF has really spoken about the importance of college tennis, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great thing to have and it on the radar. And then if you look at the ATP announcement, it's the first time that the ATP has really recognized college tennis. And I'm super excited about this because, Lisa, you and I have been on this journey and you've heard me speak about the common currency that the tennis world needs. Mm -hmm. So let me just connect uh, the pro one in advance, like a foreshadow in a great novel, right? I have been somebody who said that college players shouldn't really have to play dual paths if they expect to get to the pro world. They shouldn't have to play college tennis and go play the futures and the like. And I, 10 years ago with Dave Fish, maybe 15 years ago, we're saying, what would it look like if we had one common currency that would give people entry into pro tournaments, right? So not only are college rankings going to help do that for the ATP accelerator program, but the World Tennis Number and the ITF have basically created a common currency all the way through juniors, college, ITF events, and all the way to the pros. So I think what your viewers should do is, first of all, take a deep breath, you're always good at telling people go out every day and just get better. 
That's what you need to do. Play yeah. matches. College coaches will uh, get, get you uh, figured out. You'll join their team. But I want people to recognize this common currency where the USTA has made a decision before we did about going to WTN, right? Yeah. So all junior players right now, for many years, we're asking, what's your UTR? What's your UTR? And they're starting to ask, what's your W? And so if you look at the fact that the USTA is doing that, and then the ITA is doing that, and the ITF's doing that, and now it's going to go all the way up to the pros, we basically have made a decision that as proud as we were of our work with UTR, that this really is the global common currency for the future. And uh, so how the decision was made was looking at the current ecosystem of college athletics, the tennis ecosystem, and how our partnerships are going to serve our sport uh, in the best way possible moving forward. And so what tends to happen, at least at the junior level of this tennis journey, is things change. It's inevitable. But new programs, new initiatives get rolled out without a lot of education on the side of the consumer. And, you know, this has been a common complaint with when USTA changes the junior comp structure, um, things get rolled out, but the education may not be aligned with the rollout. And I feel like we're kind of in a similar place now with WTN where USTA has done a little bit of education around WTN. I know they've held some webinars and such for people to sit in and really try and learn and understand it. What I want to understand and what I'm hoping you can share with us, Tim, is what type of education is the ITA providing to the college coaches so that they understand what is WTN, what does it reflect? How do they best use that metric in the recruiting process so that there's not this interruption in the junior development pathway for the kids that are already 15, 16, 17 years old? Sure. So I'll take a shot at that. First of all, I would say that the USTA has been doing a bunch of great education on WTN. You should know that the ITA team, and that includes our CHAMPS team as well as our communications team, are on regular calls with the USDA and the ITF. And I've got a list of 50 or 60 different presentations that people like Matt Barnhart and Michael Hughes have, have done. And I think there have been not only a bunch of webinars, but a bunch of uh, one-pagers, <laughs> et cetera. And, and uh, we're using the same kind of things. And we're using some of the same strategies. So uh, right after we announced uh, WTN on January 5th, we've already started a series of webinars with our coaches as well. And as most people know, you know, not everybody gets on the live webinar, but we've got them all recorded. And on our ITA website, we actually have a coaches resources uh, section and uh, the fact is, is that uh, that lives there. And I, I think our coaches are pretty smart. And, and I would also say that from the time that my two children were USTA juniors, and I think people know my son, Jeff, still works with USTA player development. 
I am confident that junior players, parents, and coaches will always figure out the system. And they'll do it pretty fast, actually. Uh, and uh, keep going back to taking the deep uh, breath. And so I would encourage them to go seek out the information that the USDA has provided. And certainly our coaches are doing the same. So we've met with uh, you know, our, our coaches uh, right out of the gate. And so it's like anything else, Lisa. One, most people just don't like change, right? <laughs> and, yeah. and, and if you look at the eight years I've spent with the ITA, we've had issues not only with things like ratings, but even just tech platforms, right? We used sure. to have a terrible website. We're really proud of the work we've done the last three to five years on having our website be a go-to place for college uh, uh, students. One of the things that your uh, junior players and parents should know is that the USTA, and I know this they put this out to all of their players, has now done kind of a WTN connector to the ITA website. So if you hit a certain WTN, you're going to get an email from USTA that says, hey, you're probably somebody who might be interested in college tennis, and it actually links them over to the ITA uh, website. So we've been trying to do a lot of things in the education space. So for those people who follow college tennis and come to our website, for example, um, if you go on and look up you know, the Ohio State University men's or women's, you can not only see their team profile page, but each player has their own uh, individual uh, player profile. And as of last week, the WTN widget comes up and it tells them what their uh, WTN is. So this is a work in progress for not only junior players and college coaches, but college players as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm pretty confident that not only college age students, but young juniors in America are resilient, right? One of the things you and I know about the world is one thing that is consistent is change. Uh, and, and, and what I wanna just keep assuring people is that we're trying to look for the long haul. And while there's always kind of short-term pain and change, you know, what people need to do is look at the at the big picture and how you communicate with coaches. I can tell you I was on with our operating committee who said that they're already getting recruiting letters. Coaches are saying they're already getting recruiting letters telling uh, the coach what their WTN is. Right. Mm -hmm. So we are in a state of transition, but there's plenty of information out there. I would encourage junior players to reach out to their USTA section PD people go on the USDA website, go to the WTN website. It's worldtennisnumber.com. Come to the ITA website. But I'm pretty confident there's a lot of info out there. Mm -hmm. One of the issues that, that I keep hearing about is that there's some data inconsistencies with WTN right now. And I, I'm sure this is, you know, just a function of the fact that it's still relatively new. And um, I know there are many players out there that have multiple profiles. You know, one is their junior profile and then one shows their, maybe their junior and their college results. And then if they've played pro tournaments, that maybe shows up in a different profile. Any idea when or how that's all going to get unified so that if I'm searching, let's say, you know, a, a college team and want to see an accurate 
WTN for each of the players on that team, that that information will be available as a single profile, as opposed to me having to kind of look through a bunch of different ones. Yeah, you're asking great questions. So first of all, I would remind people historically that these same issues happened early on with uh, with UTR. Exactly. And, and, and so you're asking the right questions, but let me speak to that because one of the reasons we made this decision was again about uh, uh, data. We now mm-hmm. live in a world of data, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, but this is important because the ITF has set a set of, of data standards First of all, they function under what's called GDPR, which is actually a general data protection uh, resource that the uh, European Union uses. But they also created what was called TODs or TODs, Tennis Open Data Standards. And the ITA for the last couple of years have been trying to make sure that all of our college match results conform to these data standards. And so The ITA, the USDA, and the uh, ITF are all using this. One way to ensure that a player has only one profile is to make sure that whether it's on their USTA uh, profile or the ITF, that they have their date of birth. This Mm. is a really important thing because that's one of the things that okay let's say that again because that's that's a crucial bit of info there this is date of birth but also we need to make sure that you recognize that in the world tennis number everybody will have a tennis id and so you've put your finger on one of the issues that the data scientists have been spending a lot of time on. And I'll just tell you a little about the ITA journey, okay. because we have people who play college, some freshmen who just came from playing USTA, and obviously people who've played pro events or yep. ITF. And the thing we've all been working on is making sure that we're actually getting rid of duplicates, whether it's Bill E. Smith or Billy Smith, ultimately, a lot of time is being spent on data merges. And what I would encourage your players to do is to be a little bit proactive. So for example, what the ITA has done with all of our coaches is we have said, if you have a player that doesn't uh, uh, seem to be quite square the way you think they have multiple things, we actually have a direct line where they send us an email, right? So we're mm-hmm. working on this regularly. And I know the USTA data people are and the ITF data people are as well. So basically everybody does need to look out for themselves, you know? So if you, for example, are a college player and you you think you have multiple profiles, you can let us know. We're pretty confident that college players don't really have multiple profiles anymore, even as late as a, a week or so ago, we sorted out almost 2,000 more oh, wow. profiles. So there are 20,000 college athletes, right? And, you know, they all have their different pathways. Some of them play pro events, some don't. Let me give you another example that we're working on because we're trying to be very straightforward with some of the challenges. So the ITF made a decision that anybody who has an ATP or WTA point ends up in what's called the pro zone, which means if you show up on our website, let's just take Cannon Kingsley, great player at Ohio State, Mm -hmm. 
Cannon Kingsley might be ranked in 490 in the ATP. Maybe he's even higher. Right now, if you go to our website, his profile, it says ProZone. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't have a world tennis number. It's just not displaying. So we're working right now with the ITF to lower the threshold so that college players, let's say they're going to maybe set the profile at for the pro zone at only 250. So you'd have to be better than 250 to not have a profile. Our coaches want to see the WTN, right? They, right. they check this right before matches, et cetera. So I'm here to acknowledge that there are still things going on and it's like anything else. You get a new computer, you get a new iPhone, you just have to figure out how to use it. But I would encourage all of your junior players, parents and coaches to be proactive. And and, and clearly, if you find that you think you have multiple uh, profiles, to, to, to let that be known to the USTA, for example. But I'm confident that the USTA data scientists are taking, again, date of birth and making sure the names are accurate. Again, not Johnny Smith, but John E. Smith. Mm-hmm. But over time, you want to make sure you know that you have your ID. Every person has an ID. And one of the key determinants is your date of birth. Okay. Well, and I think that's really important. Um, to your point of taking responsibility for checking your profile. And it's the same thing that I recommend when you're starting the recruiting process, go on all the recruiting websites, make sure your information is correct. Make sure your graduation year is correct. Your GPA, um, you know, any test scores, all of that stuff. It's the onus is on the player to ensure the correctness of the data that's being shared and it's frustrating because there's so many places to go to, to have to do the investigating. But if you spend just an hour, you can probably dig up everything you need and then reach out to the individual organizations and get things cleared up so that your profiles are consistent across the different platforms. Um, it's it's really important. And you're, you're, you're spot on. I'll give you an example because I was on a call because we've been dealing with this, right? That's why. Of it's, course. It's, so there was there's a terrific player at the University of Arizona in Tucson uh, Jonas, Jonas uh, Zavertz, he's an a, a international player. And all of a sudden, there were two world tennis numbers. He He's like a 3.8. And then there was a 15 point something or other. Uh, same name. Right. But, but again, we have to determine that they're individual people, right? So mm-hmm. again, this is just the process we're working through. But I, I want to just... Get back. You asked a really great question as you're prone to, which is how did you make the decision? One of the things I've learned about technology, um, because we've done a lot of tech upgrades at the ITA for the last three to five years, people have always said, why don't you wait till things are perfect until you roll them out? And what I've learned, and I'm not a tech guy, but I've learned a lot about tech, is the way you perfect them is by rolling them out. Mm -hmm. Because you wouldn't find all these things until they're actually right. You crowdsource out. the problem. Yeah, <laughs> you just crowdsource it. Let everybody do do the the problem. And it, go, and it goes and it goes much faster. Yeah. I can tell you just over the last two weeks since we made the announcement, uh, the progress we've made has been incredible. And I want to give great shout outs to our partners at the USTA and the ITF because they've not only started with a really great set of data scientists, but they have been great partners knowing 
that every person who you're talking to, Lisa, is concerned, right? They, right. None of us want this to, to, to go on. So, so I give a lot of shout outs, but I want to keep reminding people that early on the ITA had challenges with UTR. And I also want to make it clear that no algorithm is perfect, right? Right. And and they measure different things. You know, if we're going to make sure we're, to your point, educating people, if they haven't figured this out, for example, the data scientists from the college in London uh, that the ITF worked with, they decided that the world tennis number is based on sets and not games, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you and I have both watched some of the challenges over the years with finishing a match and and young players knowing that their UTR could move based on the number of games. There were even people going to report the score where they lost 6-2, 6-2, and they reported it 6-4, 6-4, because they knew their UTR wouldn't move. So there are differences between these two algorithms, but I can tell you that our team at the ITA has spent a lot of time over the last number of months taking our ITA rankings, putting them next to UTR, putting them next to WTN. Uh, you and I, uh, you kind of introduced laughingly about our social media. I sometimes get concerned when people go, oh, the ITA rankings aren't consistent with UTR. Well, UTR and the ITA rankings are measuring different things, for right. example, right? And, and people who get really into this, because you probably have some nerdy data people, um, they're going to find that the USDA has done a lot of analysis comparing WTN to UTR, even looking at all their national summer tournaments, for example. Mm -hmm. And both of them are pretty accurate within the same range of predicting who might win a match. But the UT... Uh, the the people at the USDA will tell you that when they did this analysis this past summer, there were even some predictors where the world tennis number actually picked up some of the outliers where people who weren't seated did very well mm-hmm. and the WTN was higher than UTR. So people should not think that algorithms are an exact one-to-one correlation. Right. You know, they're measuring different things, but over time we've done enough analysis that we're confident that uh, they're 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 accurate enough we've been actually looking at the ita rankings comparing them to wtn and we've had some really sharp coaches do this analysis also i'm confident that coaches and players will figure it out and they'll figure it out pretty fast well the thing is with any of these ratings is they're snapshots right that's that's the word that has been used in conjunction with ratings since i was first introduced to them you know 10 12 years ago is this is a look at where you are in a moment in time and if you're playing well and winning a lot of matches your rating goes up to reflect that. If you're going through a dry spell and not winning a lot of matches, your rating goes down to reflect that. But it's not necessarily a predictor of how far you can progress in your journey. It's not a predictor of how good you're going to be at the end of the day. And it is just one data point. And the good coaches out there, the good college coaches who are also hopefully good recruiters, understand that it's just one data point. It's not the end-all be-all. And I promise you parents that are listening to this, the coaches are not making a determination of whether or not to recruit your child based on only one rating. 
only one ranking, only one tournament. They're looking at an amalgam of data that reflects who your player truly is and what they could bring to this coach's particular program. So to get so hung up on, well, I'm not playing this tournament because there aren't any kids with high enough ratings that my rating's going to go up and that's not going to help me in my recruiting process is the wrong approach. It's the wrong mindset. Play, play, play. Anytime you have the opportunity to play, it's an opportunity to learn and grow and become a better player. You do that spiel really well. You and I have sat on <laughs> recruiting panels together, yeah. and I think we, we could do that again. I know people are focused on this, and I'm happy to try to uh, help, but but the fact is everybody can also tell their story differently, right? Right. You know, and, and, and it's how you do that. And, and if we turn this into a recruiting seminar, it's about having good grades and being a good teammate and and whatever but you know this drill really well uh, and I'm appreciative uh, that you are actually introducing that into this conversation because just because we're all participating in this moment of change those are still the best reminders right I mean I just feel like it's at the core of helping our children become their best selves and to say that you know, I don't want to play this event or I don't want to play against this opponent because it's not going to help my rating is just such the wrong approach with all of this. And it's not the lesson, at least in my opinion, and I think in yours as well, Tim, that we want to be passing along to our kids. You know, this whole notion of dodging opponents, dodging events, dodging competitive opportunities. That's not what we want our kids to be. We don't want them to be dodgers. We want them to be, you know, confronters. We want them to stand up and and fight the battles. So if people want to know real history, this I'll start aging myself, but my son Jeff, who's now 41, will remember this. And and the current players won't, especially who play the point per round tournaments uh, with the USDA. Back in the days of the late 90s, when Jeff Russell was playing, there weren't points per round. They actually had rankings that were based on the star algorithm. Yeah. And actually, people were dodging then because early in the year, if you got a good ranking based on the algorithm, there were people dodging. It's one of the reasons they went to points per round. And again, points per round aren't perfect either. And talking about the pendulum, if you look at things like tennisrecruiting.net, they've used an algorithm. And back in the day, Jeff Russell played, people hated the algorithm. And all of a sudden, tennisrecruiting.net uses an algorithm and everybody likes blue chips and five stars. So the fact is the world keeps doing this, but the best advice is to keep loving the sport keep going out, keep getting better, right? And you're correct. The rating is is one data point. So, Well, and Tim, I'd love for you to speak to how good college coaches are at this recruiting thing that, you know, they understand the different factors involved in bringing a player onto their team who is going to be successful individually and as part of the bigger program, right? And I I think parents sometimes tend to not understand that these coaches are really smart. Yeah, so you're spot on again. Uh, So just a reminder, and I'm happy that we're taking a little bit of a broader 
view at this is that there are about 20,000 college tennis players. 20,000. Men and women. Men and women combined. We have 1,250 schools. There are about 2,000 programs out there. So that means about 10 people per program. And I think everybody knows there's five divisions, NCAA divisions, one, two, and three, NAI and junior college. There is a place for everyone who wants to play college tennis, you know, and we could, again, turn this into our recruiting spiel. But the fact is people go to college for different reasons. (laughs) Some want to play at a small school, a large school. Uh, One of the things that we're working on, because one of the things I want to point out to everybody is that this world tennis number is part of this larger tech integration that we're doing. And, And let me just make one diversion. So the tech platform that we're using that's built by ClubSpark is the same tech platform USTA uses. It's the same one the ITF uses. It's the same one the LTA uses. So again, you've got the ITF has 213 federations, already 150 have signed on to share data with the world tennis uh, number. But the ITF is actually working with the USTA and the ITA to help us build what we're calling a college fit tool, where you're not only going to be able to go on our website and go, I'm a nine or whatever number you are, but you're going to be able to go, oh, I'd like to go to a large school or a small school or a suburban school or an urban school, or I'd like to major in pre-med. So everybody goes to college for a different reason, but I can assure all of your listeners that there is a place for the junior player. And and the fact is uh, I've encouraged people to cast a wide net I've encouraged uh, uh, people to do a lot of research, but you asked me a very specific question and now I'll give you a very specific answer. I've given you the long answer. The short answer is our college coaches are really smart. And, <laughs> and, and the fact is some of them, to be very honest, some of our very best coaches, for example, have prided themselves on finding the diamond in the rough. It's easy to recruit the top 30 players yeah. or the top UTRs, but a lot of our play, our coaches want to find that player who's a little under the radar, who just wants to work hard, who loves, you know, tennis, who loves going to school. And in some respects, some of the approaches that they take to recruiting are counterintuitive to what your parents and players think yeah. is going on. A lot of it is just about your listeners telling their story to these coaches. And most of them are really good at saying, I think you could be a fit or not a fit. And the earlier they start the process, the better too, right? right. And there's some people who've just decided, I only want to play at this big power five school, right? Mm-hmm. And again, I use my son Jeff as an example, because at one point, you know, by the time he was in the 18s, you know, he finished in the top 20 of the USTA rankings. This was before they had ratings. And he thought he wanted to go to, you know, a Big Ten school or a Pac-12 school. He ended at the College of William and Mary, which had a terrific program, got a great education. But my point is, he cast a wide net, right? Mm -hmm. He took recruiting trips to Ohio State and Purdue and Minnesota and Penn State, whatever, but he ended up at the College of William and Mary. So a lot of times you don't know where you're going to end up, right? Well, and also as as I tell the parents when when we do consults, 
if your kid does want to go to one of those power five schools, you know, a big state school, rah-rah, football, yada, yada, but their tennis level doesn't warrant them playing varsity tennis at that school, there are still lots of opportunities to play tennis in college that don't involve being on the varsity tennis team. And so I, I, you know, I'm digressing a little bit away from our conversation, but I think it is important for people to realize that you do have to look at all of the factors. Does the school have the major that you're interested in? Does it have Greek life if that's important to you? Does it have the opportunity to do a year abroad if that's important to you? And how does that integrate with playing a varsity sport at that school? So, you know, varsity tennis isn't for every single junior player, just as division one tennis isn't for every single junior tennis player. And it's important to really do soul searching for the kids that are looking to get recruited and for the parents who are helping hopefully to guide them through this process. So, so you're as always spot on. Just one other thing I want to go back uh, as I'm prone to do to give a few extra things to the questions you asked. You asked again about our decision-making process. I mean, you know, in addition to the partnerships and this global common currency, you know, I think everybody needs to recognize that they haven't figured it out. For example, that the world tennis number is, is is free, right? Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a service that the ITF has, has put out there. And, you know, the reality is, you know, we are not only trying as governing bodies like the ITA, the USTA, and the ITF, you know, to serve individual players, but to grow the the game. And I think that, you know, your listeners need to know that there are people uh, in these leadership positions, you know, who really have the best interest in the the sport, even over the last 10 to 12 years, there are a lot of different people sitting in positions of leadership that have made some of the changes I referenced uh, at the beginning of my answer uh, possible. You know, there were people running the ATP who were never going to partner with the ITA on things with college, or there were people at the ITF who were never going to talk about college tennis. And, and, and people need to recognize the world changes, not just at the micro level, like what rating to use, but in the macro level of who are the leaders in the ecosystems of our sport. And I'm really excited about you know, framing this discussion in terms of the partnerships for the future, because one of the things leaders do is try to look to the future and not just kind of the intended consequences, but the unintended consequences. And if people look at the three announcements that we made on three successive weeks, the WTN and then the NCAA move of the D1 championships to the fall and Mm -hmm. then the ATP, and you start seeing how all of these threads in this tapestry tie together, your listeners should know that there are a lot of people trying to look out for the good of the sport and not just tomorrow, but next year, five years, 10 years down the road. And so some of these just, you know, the announcements we think are, are, are really huge. And, and, you know, I've talked to some coaches who've been around a long time, not on the, in the college space, but have coached pro players. And, and a lot of them say, wow, some of us never thought 
we'd see the day where the ITFs talking about college tennis or the ATPs partnering on an accelerator program. So ultimately, I want your listeners to know a lot of us come to work on their behalf. And while it could provide them a little angst on a given day, that the future is going to be bright. You know, tennis is a terrific sport. It's growing. An American junior player who listens to you should know that there's a spot for them at the ITA in college tennis or tennis on campus or whatever. I know everybody gets uptight, but actually there are plenty of opportunities. Right. Right. And, you know, I want to just kind of take a step back and say all these announcements came out from the ITA. If I'm not mistaken, it was either right before or during the Australian Open that these announcements were coming back. And the Australian Open was such a prime example of seeing college players take that next step to have success as professional players. And I mean, the timing couldn't have been better. <laughs> I don't well, know if y'all planned that or well, what happened, but it wasn't my goodness. By accident, actually. So, for example, just as a little inside, because I think people who listen to podcasts like Inside, there was a discussion. And I was taking the lead from the ATP saying, well, maybe we should announce this during the second week of the Open. And I pointed out, hey, there's probably going to be a lot of college players in the first week of the Open. And all of a sudden, if you were listening, even late at night, you were hearing Brad Gilbert and and Patrick McEnroe all talking about this. So just to be clear, this accelerator followed on the heels of the December announcement that the ATP made with the ITF about the accelerator program for the top uh, ITF junior. So it's been in the works for a while, but uh, at least it was not by accident. We announced it during the first week of the Australian Open. And I think it got a lot of of good publicity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, it was proof of concept right in front of your face. So yeah, it was pretty brilliant. And, and just, to kind of touch on this, because I know you guys announced um, the ATP Accelerator Program. I know there is some conversation happening with the women's tour as well. Um, Any idea when an announcement might be coming out about working with the women's tour? Happy to address that because clearly the ITA and the ITF uh, just care passionately about gender equity and parity, right? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that makes our sport uh, amazing is that men and women compete together. Uh, and, And you should know that in the ITA world, the day that we made the ATP announcement, we called together our top coaches to have this conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Because in the world of communication, you know, in the absence of information, people are prone to either make up their own information or, or, you know, or fear the worst, right? And so we are clearly working hard with the uh, ITF. Uh, You asked me a direct question about when there'll be an announcement, and I hope it's as soon as we can make it, right? Uh, But I want to make sure that for your listeners, that they recognize that there's a little bit different structure between the men's and women's tours. So for example, on the men's side, the ITF run the 15s and the 25s and the ATP run the 50s and the 75s. On the women's side, the ITF runs all the way up to the hundreds, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, 
I've been on calls with the ITF, numerous ones, and we'll be on again early next week. And they are committed. We are committed. It's just that they're a very thorough organization, and they also have to be talking to the the WTA, right? There's just a lot of moving pieces. And since the ITF and the ATP in our alphabet soup here yeah. made the announcement on the men's side for the ITF juniors in December, we chose to make the college announcement in January, not only because the timing was good at the Australian Open, but we wanted all of our players as they were starting their seasons to know now what they were competing for, sure. right? Sure. Sure. No, I mean, I totally get the timing and, uh, you know, I'm confident that that an announcement will be forthcoming and in the not too distant future with the WTA, because I know you guys are, you know, this is not a men versus women's thing. This is college tennis as a whole and helping every single college tennis player have opportunities to pursue their dreams. And so I think, you know, these accelerator programs are a great step. Um, hopefully what it's going to do is alleviate situations where college kids are having to make a choice between attending college and going pro, or they've made the decision to attend college, but maybe they're going to miss a lot of class and go try their hand at some pro events while they're in college. And, you know, that's, that's always kind of a recipe for disaster because, you just, it's hard to balance all of that stuff. So it's nice that there will be a more defined pathway for college kids to be college players and also pursue that professional dream. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're spot on. I mean, you've been around this a long time. <laughs> yeah. No, well, but I'll give you a very good example. And I've used this one with some of our players and coaches. So two falls ago at our national fall championship in November, we had, uh, uh, at the same time, the USTA was putting on a 15K event uh, at Lake Nona at the national campus, and the four semifinalists were all college players mm -hmm. because they felt that they had to be out there with that path. Those kind of players, whether it's Cannon Kingsley, Ben Shelton, you know, whoever it is, can now just play the fall season knowing that they're building up not only their WTN, but their ITA rankings point. And, and so the vision that people like you and I have had for 20 years is this idea that there is this clear one path. And the same thing couples in with this idea of moving the NCAA singles and doubles to the fall, because, mm -hmm. you know, the fall has been all over the place, too. Yeah. Some people have done this. And now, basically, the top players are going to know you play the fall and that's that. But we can also then focus on the spring. And we all know that our spring season is really uh, exciting. Uh, and so down the road, it could be that we all start imagining what would a, a spring season look like if we wanted to make changes there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love it. And, you know, I, I still have my questions about WTN and how it's going to evolve, but I'm, I'm going to be patient and keep an eye on things and keep trusting the organizations that are in charge of this to continue to refine, continue to edit, continue to data gather and improve the accuracy as we move forward. And again, to the parents out there and the junior players out there who are at that critical stage of the recruiting process, 
please understand that whether it's WTN, UTR, TRN, USDA, ITF, whatever alphabet you want to use, what really matters is, are you committed to the sport? Do you love it? Do you work hard every day? Do you want to get better every time you step foot on the court? Are you putting in the extra effort to take, you know, to to be one step better tomorrow than you were today? If the answer is yes to all of those things, there is a college program out there for you. And there is a college coach who is going to find you if you cast a wide enough net to use Tim's words. So um, I just want to leave us on an encouraging note there, Tim. And also want to say that all of these announcements that Tim referenced in our conversation, I will have links to them in the show notes on parentingaces.com. So for those of you who may have missed them or missed the links that Tim was referencing on USTA's website, the WTN website, we will have all of that in the show notes. So you can just click and read and get up to speed on what's going on out there. Because I know it's it's a lot. It's a lot of information, a lot of change, all kind of hit at the same time. And um, it can be overwhelming. <laughs> so. We thank you for having this forum whereby people can take the time to learn. And it's something that you've done and been a great contributor to the ecosystem for a long time. So thanks to you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tim. To my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and we will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast for tennis parents by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.